This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, ha- well, happy Tuesday. It's the 14th day of the 11th month of the year of our Lord 2023. Mike Parrot here with you every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. This is Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air and always online. Well, today we're going to be hearing from a Protestant minister from Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, who's going to explain to us in very clear terms why it is that the end of the world will happen soon when the United States stops supporting Israel's incursion into Gaza. I will hasten to say, however, as I said Wednesday night, give honor where honor is due. President Biden and Secretary of State Blinken have made very strong statements in defense of Israel, and I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful for that. Oh, yes. So am I. I'm very, very thankful. The Secretary of State is Jewish, so it helps to be Jewish and care about the Jewish people. It's funny how that works. They've made strong statements. Funny how that works. But you see a Russian-Iranian confederation coming together right now like never before, and Ezekiel prophesied it thousands of years ago. Ezekiel. Could this be what we're seeing? Here's why I say yes and no. This battle is in the south. It's coming from the south. It's not coming from the north. That's what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel also says that no one comes to Israel's defense. Well, we've come to Israel's defense. Other countries have come to Israel's defense. We got the USS Gerald Ford in the Eastern Mediterranean ready to help in whatever way is needed. We've already released munition we had on site in Israel, the United States had. We've released these missiles as part of the Israeli defense system, the Iron Dome, so that they have missiles that can target the rockets that are coming over from Gaza, more than 6,000 now. So we are involved. Ezekiel 38 says no one comes to Israel's aid and the forces come from the north. But here's how this could possibly be what we're about to see unfolding of Ezekiel 38. If you start to see Iran getting involved and telling Hezbollah from the north to start to fight as they fired a few rockets just to kind of show Israel they're there, if they start to engage, if Russia starts to send troops, okay, then it could be Ezekiel 38. But wait a minute, we're still helping. No one comes to Israel's aid. Here's the scenario under which I think the United States could pull out. Right now, again, we've made strong statements in defense of Israel. However, notice the language very carefully. Right now, you're starting to hear. The United Nations refuses to acknowledge Hamas as a terrorist organization. The UN has already been pushing back on Israel, as other nations have. Be careful now. You know, don't go in there too harsh. You know, watch what you're doing. You know, be nice. Be nice. Wait a second. The United States has been telling Israel not to just commit genocide? Nice. You know, that's what they're starting to say. Even some among our government officials are starting to code word those kind of things. Like, be careful, Israel. Like, you know, watch out. Don't, don't be too harsh. If other nations, including our own, begins to think that Israel is going in too harshly, they might pull out. We might decide we're not going to support Israel anymore. And here's other more frightening scenarios. Because of our ongoing efforts in supplies to Ukraine 
and perhaps needing to get involved in China's potential assault against Taiwan. And here's even what is more of a potential. We have terrorists coming over our southern border in the United States. And on our own soil, there are these cells that we might end up having to fight. And if we have to end up engaging our own military here and there and everywhere, I'm not, I'm not making a statement whether all that is right or wrong. I'm just saying if we get stretched too thinly, the United States might very well wave at Israel and say, we got our own battles to fight. Sorry, we're not going to help you anymore. If you see those kind of things aligning, this could be Ezekiel 38. And I it could be Ezekiel 38, but here's what's really scary, ladies and gentlemen. Ezekiel 39. Let me tell you what happens between Ezekiel 38 and 39. The rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. So... All that to say, all that to say, be ready. Always be ready. Jesus said, lift up your heads and look up. Your redemption draws near. Jesus is coming again. So get right with God. Get your hearts right with him. And in the meantime, pray. Pray for Israel. Pray for the Palestinian civilians caught in the crosshairs. Pray ultimately for the Prince of Peace to come. Interesting that he... Uh, that he even referred to the uh, Palestinian civilians caught in the crosshairs. Oh, you're just caught in the crosshairs. Yeah, just innocent bystanders. Whatever. And rule and reign himself, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you. For okay, we're not going to do Protestant prayer. So they really do believe that uh, if an invading force, Hezbollah, comes in from the north, that that signals the end of the world. This is what, they, this is what the Protestants believe. That is why they are so staunchly in support of Israel. That is why they say Israel can do no wrong. That is why they are so committed to the idea of supporting Israel at all costs all costs. Um, I received this video from somebody on the Twitter. Thank you so much for sending that over. This lecture at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia is almost an hour long. It's a full hour exposition of the history of the founding of the nation of Israel and how terrible the Arabs have always been since the beginning and how the United States plays a special role in bringing about the second coming. So this philosophy, this Christian Zionist philosophy is very, very dangerous. These people want war, they want genocide, they're bloodthirsty, they believe that the United States has been chosen for the end times, and they will stop at nothing to achieve their goals. It has to be called out and destroyed for what it is. It has to be. The only person running for president right now that I think makes any sense on this issue is Vivek. He's the only one. He's the only one who is saying, 
yeah, you know, Israel can defend themselves. It's really not my thing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's starting to get a little scary out there. It's starting to get a little bit weird, this idea that we have to support these people. In in uh, in in various ways. Now here's the here's the grand old party pledge of allegiance. Two hours for a serious debate on the issues that matter most. We have anti-Semitism all over our college campuses. We will stand with Israel to support Israel with whatever they need, whenever they need it. It is not that Israel needs America. America needs Israel. They the founding vision of Israel is America is here, no matter what it is you need at any time to preserve the state of Israel. With a question from Matthew Brooks, the CEO of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Jewish students across the country are threatened. Urgent anti-Semitism across this country. Anti-Semitism. Any campus that allows for anti-Semitism, you should lose your federal funding today. I would deport you. No, it's the anti-Semitism that's spiraling out of control. Jewish students and synagogues. Anti-Semitism is just as awful as racism. The Jewish people. Providing Israel with the $14 billion that they need, we are 100% undeniably standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel. When we make sure that we have the backs of our friends, whether it's in Israel. It's anti-Semitic, horrible stuff. Making sure that Israel and that Israel situation, Israel must be defended. On behalf of the Republican National Committee and all of us at NBC News, good night everyone from Miami. <laughs> That's just the first debate. That wasn't even the second debate. <laughs> oh, Israel, yes, we do love you so much. Can we just change the national anthem? Can we can we just go ahead and make it official? I I just look, I'm just wondering. I saw an article today popped up or rather yesterday. And it said, top U.S. general says, Americans must be willing to die for Israel. Americans must be willing to die for Israel. U.S. troops must be ready to fight and die for the defense of Israel, even to the point of being placed under Israeli commanders responsible for battlefield decision-making. Right. All I can say is that I am just so glad, so glad that Nazi Niles helped me exit stage left for the Marine Corps. Actually, to be fair, I had already submitted paperwork to leave. I told you this last Friday on the birthday of the Marine Corps uh, and the eighth anniversary of the Crusade Channel, how I had just submitted my routine paperwork to leave, but they kept me because... I didn't take the vaccine. They were like, no, you can't leave. You can't leave. You you objected to the vaccine. We're going to find some way to punish you on your way out. <laughs> they did. But the good news is, is they won't be calling me back. They won't. They can't call me back to go fight for Israel. I have fought for Israel twice now. And I'm not really looking for a third opportunity to do that. I'm really not. Some of you accuse me of not being patriotic because I'm constantly taking shots on the founding of our country, our Freemasonic principles, our founding fathers, our, our, our um, governing philosophy. Some of you... Uh, here, I'm, I'm going to cue something up that is truly patriotic. Some of you have accused me 
of fail, failure to love our country. Listen, here's what I want to do. I want to play you a truly patriotic song. A song which inspires and lifts the hearts. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a British patriotic song. It's in English. What I will do is I'm going to... Here, I'm going to turn the volume down on the song and maybe try to uh, add some commentary or talk over it so that you can hear the words. I'm sure you've heard this tune before. Probably, if you're Protestant, you've sung a Protestant hymn to this tune. If you're Catholic, you may have inherited one of those Anglican hymns to this song. Uh, But this tune is set to, it's a song called, I Vow to Thee, My Country. I want you to hear this song. I really do. I want you to hear this song. Let's see, is this too loud? The reason why I want you to hear this song is because I want you to experience the real tinge of patriotism just for a moment this morning here on the Crusade Channel. For all you who say that I, I have no patriotism... It's not that I have no patriotism. It's that I have nothing like this. I vow to thee, my country. All earthly things above. Entire and whole and perfect. The service of my love. That asks no questions. The love that stands, that stands the, the test, test that, lays upon that lays upon the altar the, the dearest and, and the best. The love that never falters, the love that pays the price, the love that makes undone. It keeps going. We're about halfway through. There's still so much here in this song. We're speaking of altars, the final sacrifice, undaunted love. Just wait till you hear what the pride of the nation is coming up in the second half. And there's another country I've heard of long ago. Most dear to them that's love. Fortress is a faithful heart, her pride is suffering. By soul and silently, her shining mountain breeze. Soul by soul. And her ways are ways of gentleness, and all her paths are peace. 
listen, I know some of you out there, you're like, what is this guy? Some kind of Anglophile? Does he like British stuff all of a sudden? Uh, didn't he do a podcast once about an, an Irish nationalist song? I mean, why can't he find an American song? This is our heritage. This is our linguistic heritage, okay? We are the rightful heirs of Chaucer and Shakespeare. We in the Anglosphere, we English speakers, this is who we are. This is our rightful heritage. This is our birthright to understand our nation the way this anthem speaks about the nation. Faithfulness, trust, long-suffering, sacrifice, on the altar, soul by soul. We may not count her armies. We may not see her king. And yet we love her and we adore her. It speaks aspirationally about even a different nation from long ago. Something to which the nation ought to inspire, aspire. It speaks to the heart of the English soul, of which we are descendants. We are culturally, linguistically, ethnically, we are descendants of this. This is our birthright. This is our heritage. This is our patrimony. To, un to be able to understand our nation and to write about it in such high language, aspirational language. We have an equal claim, I would say, to the works of Chaucer and Shakespeare and Chesterton and the greatest practitioners of the English language that's who we really are now for us Catholics we see things a little bit differently right I'm sure that there are undertones of Anglicanism in this song which I believe the lyrics were composed for the death of Winston Churchill. Churchill is a fascinating figure, to say the least. In fact, he's so interesting that, we, that, that Hollywood can't stop making movies about him. He really straddled two eras. He was the link to a past that is by now way far gone. He was already an old man when he was Prime Minister for young, 30-something-year-old Queen Elizabeth II. He was her link to the 19th century. He was her link to her father, to the Great Wars, etc. He is considered the founder of, uh, of, his, of his nation, the father of his people, in a way. Uh, or, or of modern Britain. I don't think that he would be particularly proud of modern Britain today, today's modern Britain. I don't think any of us are. 
I don't, in the same way, I don't think any of us are too proud of modern America. I know I'm not. But nevertheless, to have a proper understanding of the ideals of patriotism, to love your nation, what does it mean to love a thing? To love a thing means to will its good, to will the good of the beloved. To speak of the nation in terms of gentleness and peace and sacrificing for the nation. This is something that nobody in the United States does. Nobody in the United States thinks of these United States and says, well, I can't wait to sacrifice for my nation. I hope that my nation aspires to to the service of peace and justice and God. I will lay upon the altar the dearest and the best for my country. I'm sorry, I just don't see it almost in any corner. Even in the most, uh, let's say, I don't want to say the B word. I've been trying not to say the B word. I don't want to make that. Because, you know, I think there's a little bit of Marxist undertone to it. When you start classifying people into generations and turning generations against each other, there's, that is one of the Marxist things where you incite class warfare. And it's not just economic classes, but when you say the word boomer, you know, it, then you just, you know... I When I say that word, I'm saying it as a mindset. I know 25-year-old boomers, okay? I just do. Boomerism is a mindset. It's a way of life. It's not really... When I say it, I'm not referring to a generation of people. I'm not referring to the Led Zeppelin generation, okay? Now, maybe something about Led Zeppelin infected their brains. Perhaps that's possible. But no, I'm not really referring to... Um, to all of that when I say the B word. When I, oh gosh, when I say the B word, I'm talking about a way of life, a mindset, okay? So I'm going to say it, and I'm going to warn you. I'm giving you a parental warning. I'm about to say the B word, but I have a very specific meaning for it, okay? Even in the most boomerish, boomerish, G-O-P, Cucked conservatard circles, okay? Even in the Rhonda Sanctimonious, Nikki Haley, you can never get my guns and my Bible. Born again, whatever. In that circle of people, nobody treats patriotism the way you just heard it treated. by another aspect of our of of our birthright in our language our culture our people nobody treats it that way they almost treat patriotism as a thumb in the eye of the liberals we're going to honor the flag cuz that's going to piss off the liberals we're going to fly the flag because we, that just signals to them that we love America. America, America. Yeah. In America, you could get divorced and have abortions. 
In America, you can watch porn and do drugs if you want to, and I will die for your right to do all that. Because it's freedom. Freedom from what? We don't even know anymore. Nobody really articulates anything worth listening to. Nobody aspires or inspires the lofty ideals of patriotism in a way that transcends time and space. In short, I don't believe that there are too many transformational leaders out there who are able to construct an ideal of these United States that is worth dying for. You, you hear Vivek say, oh, we, we, can't, we still can be the shining city on a hill. People are trying to channel Ronald Reagan from 40 years ago. That ideal has changed. I've 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 beat that horse into submission on this show. You you either agree with me or you don't, but you've heard the arguments either way. Now, some of you out there are probably confused. You're like, "Wait a second, Mike. You're the one telling us constantly that in the United States there is no culture. Now you're telling us that we do have a culture, that we have received these things." Well, yes or no? You're right. Gotcha. If you were paying attention and you had that thought, kudos to you. But it's not an inconsistency. And here's why. What I am arguing to you is that we are the rightful heirs of some culture. We just refuse to accept it. We are the rightful heirs of Chaucer. And Shakespeare? And yet, find me an institution in these United States where Chaucer and Shakespeare are read. Find me a student in the United States of America, fluent in Middle English, Old English, who can even translate what Chaucer is saying and appreciate it for what it is. Find me a Catholic walking around off the streets who knows who Sir William Marshall is, one of the greatest medieval knights to ever serve his majesty. What I'm telling you is that we could have had a culture and we, 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 we threw it off. We could have received some connection to the old world. And more or less, we got rid of it. Well, it was part of it was the Puritanical movement. In the Northeast especially, the Puritans wanted nothing to do with the high church Anglicans. Nothing. Nothing. They kicked them all the way to the South. This is why there are still gentlemen in the South. You go to a place like Charleston... And it is lovely. It is beautiful. The way the town is organized, the architecture. 
if you didn't know any better, you would think that it had been formerly a Catholic town. It wasn't. It was an Anglican town. And Anglicanism is a perversion of Catholicism, but it still maintains some semblance, or at, at that time, it doesn't anymore, maintains some connection to Catholicism and therefore some connection to beauty. That's why there, there are customs and courtesies in the South, in the American South. That's the only place in the United States where there is still some semblance. It's not a culture. It's not. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to tell y'all that y'all have culture. You Southern Bells. You think you do. I'm not picking on you. Look, I'm from Texas. You may say Texas is its own thing, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not picking on you. I'm just telling y'all that we are a cultureless society and it didn't have to be this way. When we write our anthems about our flag, we talk about, oh, well, you know, the flag was still there overnight in the bombardment of, what was it? This was the War of 1812. The flag was still flying overnight, even though the Brits were firing into the, into the bay. Was this in Baltimore? Um, yes, okay, it's inspiring. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't do a head-to-head. I'm not, I, and, and many of you would say, okay, I like our national anthem, and it inspires me, and I like to hear it, and whatever. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that there is something lacking in our national anthem, which honors the, the fact that our flag still flew overnight during a bombardment in the War of 1812. But it doesn't speak in the same way as... what I'm playing you l- l- let me just read you some of the lyrics just 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 to make the point I vow to thee my country all earthly things above entire and whole and perfect the service of my love the love that asks no questions the love that stands the test that lays upon the altar the dearest and the best the love that never falters the love that pays the price the love that makes undaunted the final sacrifice And there's another country I've heard of long ago, most dear to them that love her, most great to them that know. We may not count her armies, we may not see her king, her fortress is a faithful heart, her pride is suffering. And soul by soul and silently her shining bounds increase, and her ways are ways of gentleness, and all her paths are peace." If we cannot write poetry about our nation, then there's something fundamentally wrong with our relationship to our nation. Nowadays, the only people who would write poetry about a nation would be the neocon Zionist Christians writing poetry about Israel. O Israel, we must defend thee. Our nation exists to serve thee. Let them never attack thee from the north, else Ezekiel will kick in, and the rapture 
It's all fake. This is all fake, phony, baloney garbage. One final note on this topic. I have a dear friend. His name is Alberto. He's the most hated man on Twitter, at Flatcath. He has an in-law, a relative who is in Washington, D.C. right now. Why is he in Washington, D.C.? Because he's a Protestant minister. Well, what's he doing in Washington, D.C.? The Jewish embassy is sponsoring as many Protestant ministers as they can fly into Washington, D.C. as possible to give them critical updates on the war. Why weren't Catholics invited to this? Hmm, that's weird. Why are only Protestant ministers invited to hear from the Jewish nation how the Jewish war in Gaza is going? Maybe they know who serves them well. Maybe they know who works for them most directly. Now, those who are better than I have long argued that the Novus Ordo religion, the new invented religion in the 1960s, is a Jewish rite. It is a Jewish religion. It is pro-Jew. And truly, truly, I say to you, most Novus Ordo Catholics are Zionists. So, it wouldn't surprise me if the American USCCB were also invited to this thing, but this apparently is for Protestant ministers. They want all the Protestant ministers in these United States huddled in D.C., lapping up the information at the feet of the Jewish embassy. You're in the inside club. You're getting critical updates. This is how you can help. This is how you can support us. This is how you can support Israel. Why did the Jew, why 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 does Israel know who serves them? That's weird, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Does that at least make you stop and think? For for you Protestant Zionists out there in the audience, and I know I know you're there. I know you've suffered through this segment, and you're just like, come on, change the subject. Doesn't it raise a little bit of suspicion in your mind that the Israeli government knows that your sect supports them? They know. They know who their friends are. They know who they can count on. They know that you're a Christian who is useful to them. Doesn't that just raise an eyebrow a little bit? Is there any level of suspicion? Can one of you Christian Zionists please email me and explain to me in the most simple terms possible, why do you think it's okay that the Israeli government is rounding up your religious leaders to give them secret access to what's going on in the Jewish war in Gaza. Isn't that a little weird? All right, we won't talk about the Jews on the uh, backside of this break. We've, um, I think we've gone over on this segment. Uh, so we're going to have to have a Fast and Furious segment when we come back. Uh, witchcraft in the United States. People laugh about it ritualistic abortions people pretend it doesn't happen it does i have the smoking gun you're not going to believe this it's disgusting disturbing 
what we can do about it. Backside of the break. Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel. This is Live Talk Radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I just met you. Heard you're a groomer. So here's your millstone. Good luck, loser. It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. Gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean. Down in the ocean. Alongside that Titan sub. Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean. Throw them in the ocean. With that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Parrot here, host of Paratalk. Carried on the Crusade channel, live talk radio the way it should be, every single day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, broadcasting from the heart of America. Send me an email at restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. That's restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. Listen, I need you to start shopping with us at the Founders Trading Post store. You coffee drinkers, start shopping with the low-hanging fruit. Let me get you off that Masonic stale bean water of Folgers and Maxwell and get you some gourmet coffees from our small batch roasters. Abbey Roast, Twin Pikes, and Capuchin Dark Roast in grind or whole bean. Listen, if you want to be a man, get the whole beans. Grind it yourself. I said it. Pick up a bag or 12 or 50. Pick up a lifetime supply today. Go to shop.mychurch.com to check that out. Hold on while I take a sip of my bean water. Okay, we're ready to go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. um, I told you in the last segment that we were going to talk about something absolutely disturbing and disgusting. And we are going to get there. Uh, Let me find the video. This is really, this is happening in the United States of America And there are tons of these types of videos out there instructing young women on how to do ritual abortion magic. Ritual abortion magic. This woman, we live in an age now where witches with wearing crystals make videos of themselves on TikTok talking and bragging about ritual abortion magic that they themselves have done. You won't even believe this. Here it is. How to practice abortion as a magical ritual, part one. My qualifications for teaching this, I am a witch who has had abortions and has used them as rituals. I've been through this twice. And it's birthing magic and death magic simultaneously. If you are a womb body who has made the decision to have an abortion, a womb body, mind that there is death and there is life. There has been a conception. There is life that has been conceived. Oh, you know it's life. For me, I look at the abortions I've had as workings. So just like you would go through a spell and do things in a very specific order, you you would lay things out in a very specific order. Because how we do our rituals and our workings and our spell castings, the order that we do them in is the order they play out in, in the physical when the magic like really kicks in and our spirits that we have called on say it's time for that working to work. So if we look at an abortion and conception ritualistically, there's a life that has been conceived. So It goes on. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Honestly, I can't do it. That's as far as I can go. These people admit the biological truth that life was 
conceived. There was a life conceived. And it is a it is a life and death scenario. That's not an exaggeration. That's not an exaggeration. You know, look, yesterday, I know I took some heat yesterday. I know that I ruffled some feathers. Because I what I told you is that pro-lifeism is not a religion. Pro-lifeism is kind of a bankrupt ideology. It really is. The United States pro-lifeist person can construct no argument against gay marriage, makes exceptions for rape and incest, has nothing to say about contraception, pornography, divorce, or all of the other ailments that destroy human families. The pro-lifeist person is also vulnerable to attack by the left. Frankly speaking, because what? You just value babies and then you don't care if they're poor. You don't care if they're saddled in debt. You don't care if they learn to read. You don't care about their literacy. And, and, and most pro-lifeists don't do a damn thing about inner city schools, about usury, about structural problems in our economy. You just want to keep that baby alive so that that baby can become a consumer, a taxpayer, a productive member of society. How do you define productive member of society? In economic terms, of course. Well, that opens you up to the left, Mr. Pro-lifeist. So I have been critical of the quote-unquote pro-life movement. I have been. And, I, and, and what I said yesterday was that Bishop Strickland is viewed as this hero to the, to the conservatives because he's pro-life. Period. End of story. That's why. Now, I applaud standing for life. We have to stand for life. We don't want uh, babies being murdered on the altar of Moloch. This woman murders babies on the altar of Moloch. She knows they're babies. She calls them. She says they're alive. It's a life. It's a conceived life. She says it. It's a baby. She says this is magic. This is, a, this is an intersection of life and death. Magic. Death magic. Life magic. Birthing magic. Witches. This stuff's happening. We have to stop it. She's summoning spirits. She's summoning Satan. So we have to stop it. But why? Why? Why must we oppose abortion? Is it because there's blood? Is it because it's a murder? Is it because it's gruesome? Is it because it's gross and disgusting and we don't like to see it? Is it because babies are cute? If it's for those reasons, then you might as well become a vegan. Because you know what? Chickens are cute too. And cows are cute. And there's blood there. And it's gruesome. We've got to know why we do things. 
We've got to understand the why behind our, we have to articulate our philosophy. We have to articulate our theology. We have to oppose abortion in all cases, no matter what. I don't care about rape and, abo- and, and, and incest. Baby did nothing wrong. Oh, so this has something to do with the innocence of the baby. Yes, it does. We have to criminalize abortion. We have to send women who procure abortions to jail. We have to execute doctors who perform abortions as murderers, as capital criminals. And if if that's not our position, we're not really pro-life. Newsflash, that's not Strickland's position. He doesn't believe in criminalizing abortion to the point of hanging abortionist doctors or millstoning them. He doesn't believe in sending women who procure abortions to jail. So I'm just here to tell you that unless we are really going to do this, this half step, well, let's get a 12-week ban and stuff, and that'll cut down on abortions. Look, it's not a bad thing. It's really not. I understand that there's got to be some t- some tacticians. There's some strategy involved here. You're trying to get certain cases to the, to the court. You're trying to get strategic laws passed in certain states so that you can, you can wind up in the court, and that's ultimately how Roe got overturned. They allowed Roe to be overturned, though. They, the power brokers, allowed Roe to be overturned because they knew that it would be voted for down the line on the state level, which it was just last week in Kansas and Kentucky and Ohio, etc. So there's still plenty of abortions happening in the United States. And the worst part about it is is that these are many times ritualistic, sadistic Satanic abortions. Why do we oppose abortions? Because we are in a spiritual war against the principalities and the powers. Because we have to destroy the witches. We have to burn them at the stake. We have to burn them at the stake. We have to purify them by fire. Any of you pro-lifists calling for that? I didn't think so. I've never heard of Abby Johnson saying that we need to take the witches and burn them at the stake. Love Abby. Nothing against her. Haven't heard it. Want to hear it. Need to hear it. So we know... Here's my point. My point is that substituting pro-lifeism for Catholicism... Pro-lifeism basically is the one measure of orthodoxy in the Novus Novus Ordo religion. You could be for tambourines, you can be speaking in tongues, but if you're pro-life, you're considered a good practicing Catholic. That's the only standard of orthodoxy, of Catholicity that there is in the new religion. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's not even really pro-life. It doesn't work. Okay? It's not enough. Until we are confronted with the facts, 
that there are literal satanic witches butchering children with full knowledge that they are snuffing out human life for for death magic until we confront that fact i don't think we're ready to even have this debate i don't think we're ready to propose a real solution because when you know that that is going on that's when you're ready to accept a real solution if it's just some crisis pregnancy, it's a high school girl and she made a mistake and she doesn't want to ruin the rest of her life and stuff, it's hard for people mentally to get where they need to be. Nobody's going to say, oh, we need to throw that woman in jail if she tries to kill that baby. We need to kill that doctor who killed that baby because that's justice, death sentence, capital punishment, eye for an eye, baby. Um, nobody's going nobody's gonna to get there on that i mean i'm there some of you are there you're probably there after this broadcast maybe i don't know maybe you're thinking about it more deeply but when you say it's a death cult that upset that is that is channeling demonic activity using black magic birthing life and death magic all converging in ritual abortions and it gives them power well, then you might be more open to what it's going to take to cleanse these United States from these people. And I'm just here to tell you that the black magic stuff is way more prominent than you probably believe. It's happening way more often than you would want to know. And if that helps all of us get to the point where we're really on the side of life, and we're not just on the side of life because babies are cute, they are, and innocent, they are, but because we're in a spiritual war against Satanists, and abortion is a sacrifice to Moloch, until we're ready to say that out loud and proclaim it far and wide. Here's a man standing outside of an abortion clinic and his interaction with a literal... This guy is an abortionist doctor, okay? You tell me, is he possessed or is he not possessed? You gotta repent, sir, for murdering babies. Why? Because it's a sin before God. Why? Well, stinky breath. Yeah, Why? that's pretty. That's pretty evil of you, sir. Yeah, I am. And, and I hope and pray that you. Yeah. Well, that's what you do to babies, huh? Yeah, I love it. You love it, huh? Yeah, I do. Okay, I hope that you come to Christ, sir. Oh, I'd ever go to Christ. This is a guy in scrubs, drinking coffee outside, taking a break from butchering babies. I hope that you come to Christ. No, sir. I don't go to Christ. Yeah, you. I don't you, listen to Christ. You, you will have a darkened heart, sir. I do have a darkened yeah. heart. Yeah. You have a darkened heart. I do. I do very, very much. And so. you will stand yeah. before God in judgment. Yes, day I will. Day. Every day. You will stand before God in judgment. Yes, day I will. Day. Every day. All of the babies that I you have killed. I love it. I love it. Yeah, keep tearing the babies. Yeah, apart. I will. Keep tearing the babies. I apart. will. Keep keep tearing. Uh, doctor, you uh, you're needed. Oh, okay. If you don't think that these people are possessed by Satan, you've thought wrongly. This isn't just about Bambi, okay? Bambi's cute and innocent as well. 
We don't want to shoot or kill Bambi. Let's not open ourselves up to the left. Let's not open ourselves up. Let's have a holistic view on this thing. This is a spiritual war. Human souls have an eternal value. They live for eternity. They are immeasurably important. We share in the creative participation with God of life, of building the kingdom, creating new eternal souls. We share in that creative process. It is not our process. It is God's process. So if you're pro-life but pro-pill, if you're pro-life but you're on the pill, if you're pro-life but you're okay with contraception, then you're not on the team. Get off my island. You're gone. You're not there yet. If you don't understand, we are sharing in the creative power with God. We are his co-workers with God who creates. Eh, well, I don't want to create today. I want the pleasure, but I don't want the responsibility. Well, that's the, de- that's the definition of abortion. I want the pleasure, but not the responsibility. Until you are fully on board against the pill, against abortion, against divorce, against all of it, against pornography, against usury, against slums, we've got to get our act together. And again, it won't happen in political terms, I don't think. There's no political solution for this. Some of you ask me, what can we do? Well, look at Spain right now. Maybe Franco will return. That might be the model. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I know that this segment ran a little long, but when you start talking about pro-life, there's a lot to say. It means the world to me that you listen to this show Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. I'll see you on Wednesday. God bless you. And have a great day. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com.